Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. Let's. But first, we've got to lay down some ground rules, as always. Oh, mom. <laughs> I know. Um, that wasn't weird, was it? <laughs> People are writing fanfic of us now. Um, I am the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. And I am the non-believing sort of Jew, and I am reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. I'm reading the New International Version. This is not a Bible study podcast. <laughs> Although I could understand why you might be a bit confused, because we talk about the Bible a lot. <laughs> and it's also definitely not for kids. Um, there's often extremely objectionable material that is just in the Bible, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> We could do something about the cussing, but we choose not to. When are you going to release your, release your bowdlerized version of the of the Bible? I feel like that's a project that the King James Version actually has, has done much better than I could ever do. Huh. Um, and on that note, we are going to talk about the Book of Psalms today. But first, something very special is going to happen. Because we have on the phone uh, my friend Phil Shu. He is finishing his PhD in molecular biology at Harvard. Um, obviously, I don't know him through that. I know him uh, from college when we were both on Quiz Bowl team together. Quiz Bowl, if you don't know, is uh, competitive trivia for those of us who are extremely competitive but can't play sports. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thank Phil. you for coming on. And um, thank you for writing some trivia questions for us. That's right. Um, so I recently rated and reviewed this uh, podcast on <laughs> iTunes, which all of us should do. About you brave, brilliant show. man. Um, but I was disparaged on air for insisting that you were missing uh, on all the fun King James, for King James Virgin euphemisms. It's true. And so I made this quiz uh, to test your knowledge. Just listeners, Phil did not ask me like, oh, hey, would you like some trivia questions? He just sent me some. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what our friendship is based on. I was called out on the radio, so uh, <laughs> I had very little choice in the matter. It's very kind of you to call this the radio. Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, how this is going to work is I'll give you 12 euphemisms, and uh, you'll tell me what they really mean. Um, so we worth 10 points each, uh, and depending on your performance, you'll receive a biblical character that your, your performance corresponds to. Oh, Whoa. I didn't know that. I'm excited. And listeners can play along, too. <laughs> Yay, listeners. Mm, I, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> listeners. Don't encourage them. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's get started. Phil, give us these questions. All right. So we'll start with Genesis. Um, so Abraham's, uh, you know, dying, as he uh, did. Um, <laughs> as we all do as someday. As we all will one day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, Phil. Uh, said unto his eldest servant of his house, and so I'm quoting from the King James Version, um, uh, he said to his servant, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Uh, so tell me what that might be a euphemism for. I mean, I assume that's uh, swearing on his testicles, yes. i.e. testifying. Mm -hmm. That's our final answer. I agree. That's pretty much right. Um, so according to... <laughs> To, uh, to Rashi, uh, this famous 11th century French rabbi, um, it didn't literally mean the thigh. Uh, 
So apparently, when you are swearing, you have to hold something sacred, uh, such mm-hmm. as the Torah. Um, mm-hmm. And since the circumcision was uh, Abraham's first commandment, and hence uh, sacred object, what Rashi claims mm-hmm. is happening is Abraham is asking his servant to grab his penis. <laughs> I so see. I'll give you eight points for that. All right, okay. cool. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So we'll move to Exodus. Okay. Um, uh, so tell me what it means when her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow. Her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow. I mean, fruit sounds like the fruit of the womb, uh-huh. right? But I don't... It's, it's, womb, it's womb adjacent. It's definitely womb related. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to give a call. I think it's either kids or menses. Let's go menses. Menses. Put it up on the big board, Phil. The answer is, so if... People are fighting, and they hit a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely, oh. but there is no serious injury. Oh. The offender must be fined whatever the husband demands and the court allows. Oh. So right. it is not menses. It's when you... Uh, Premature birth due to shenanigans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what they put on the cause of birth. I don't think they put a cause of birth on the certificate <laughs> usually, but in this case, they would have to. Um, all right. So Leviticus... Tell me what it means, her that is sick of her flowers. Her that... I, like, I really don't know. Her that is sick of her... She's sick of her flowers. I mean, it's going to make me sound a little weird, but I'm going to go back to Menses on this one. <laughs> you know how much I love talking <laughs> about periods. <laughs> and I know how much patriarchs of every stripe hate talking about True. it. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go with menstruation again. That's absolutely right. So uh, yes. if a woman in her monthly period, or I also would have accepted, if a woman have an issue and her issue in her flesh be blood. <laughs> um, I have another. an issue right now. <laughs> uh, what's the issue? Is it of blood? Okay. Uh, all right, so we're, we're in Deuteronomy now. Hooray. And we're talking about when, you know, a man... Uh, gets sick of her husband, of her wife, uh, what happens? Um, So now, then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the token of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. So tell me what the tokens of the damsel's virginity is and what happens uh, to the man, if they can, to the husband, if they can produce that for two bonus points. So I I have a guess about the tokens. Okay. I think they're the bloodstained bedsheets from the night of the night oh, of the marriage. Oh, interesting. I like that. What happens to the father when when the to the husband? Oh uh, yeah, sorry. What happens to the husband when when the when they get sick of him? What happens to the husband? He pays he pay, Oh, I got it. He pays the dowry price and he's set free. Oh, is that? Okay. Uh we'll go with that. It's absolutely uh, about the bloody sheet. But oh, yes. What awesome. happens to him uh, when they produce this bloody sheet? Because uh, the bloody sheet is, of course, infallible elephant evidence. <laughs> um, they shall find him a hundred shekels of silver uh, and give this to the man's to the woman's father. And well, um, he is her her rightful owner. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. <laughs> she shall continue to be his wife. And he must not divorce her as long as he lives. Oh, one of those. Gr- one of those. 
All right. So what do we get? Five on that? <laughs> you you don't, the don't. full 10 points, but no bonus oh. points. Oh, okay. All right. So we're still in Deuteronomy. Okay. Um, more laws. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. Tell me what the price of a dog might be. Whoa. Hire of a whore or the price of a dog. Um, do you have any idea? No. I mean, what, dogs are like, they eat dead bodies, right? That's like a stereotype about dogs in, I guess so, in the Old Testament. The juxtaposition An of, unfair stereotype about dogs. <laughs> the juxtaposition between the hire of a whore and the price of a dog makes me think that it's like, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a real dog. Right. Yeah. But so I'm trying to think like what a metaphorical dog would do if, mm. if the idea is that dogs are associated with dead bodies. Mm. A dog um, of war. But I honestly have no idea. With the price of a dog, I, I honestly have no idea. A 10 shekels silver. <laughs> All right. That's our answer. <laughs> ten, 10 shekels silver. A dog is a slang for a male prostitute. Uh, so, okay. Okay. You must not bring the earnings of a female prostitute or a male prostitute into the house of the Lord. Because well, the Lord fair. your God detests them both. Well, that's good. Want. That's uh, yeah. gender equal, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a little, you know, a little phobic, but whatever. <laughs> All right, we're still in Deuteronomy. Uh, question mm-hmm. six. So tell me what happens. Tell me what it means if a woman taketh him by the secrets. And what do you think the punishment for that is? Oh, that was, I know okay, this. I know secrets this. we did cover in our Deuteronomy episode. Our mm-hmm. guest, J.W. Friedman, mm-hmm. had secrets as as being the male genitals. Yes. Um, I know what happens if she touches them. All right, go ahead. That she loses her hand. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's our answer. so brilliant. That is exactly <laughs> right. Thanks, Jay. Uh, yeah, thanks, Jay. <laughs> What's up? All right, judges now. So the Philistines took him, so Samson, put on his eyes, brought him down to, Ga- to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Mm-hmm. So what is the euphemism here? And what does it mean? I believe he is, he is literally grinding grain. He's like running, a, he's like walking in a circular motion in mm-hmm. a mill mm-hmm. to grind grain. I think you're absolutely right. So uh, here... This is really bizarre. <laughs> Some rabbinical authorities uh, believe grind is a euphemism uh, for sex and to impregnate. Um, so, uh, what? The second century, I know. I was also very shocked when I learned I this. I mean, we did uh, talk about the other uses of the word grinding in our Job episode, mm-hmm. which you have not heard yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Rabbi Johanan from the second century says, Grind means nothing less than sexual transgression. Uh, in Job, uh, what did they say? May another may she grind another man's grain. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. If my yeah. heart has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked in a neighbor's doorway, may my wife grind with another. Um, and this uh, brings us to the famous proverb that Ra- uh, Rabbi Papa uh, alludes to when he says, before the wine drinker set wine, before a plowman a basket of roots. And apparently what this means is <laughs> they put unto Samson uh, women to impregnate. Really? Wow. So I don't, I have a hard time believing this, but apparently the rabbinical authorities didn't. 
That's um, crazy. I mean, it does seem a lot simpler to just make him do like hard labor in prison. Right. But then put him out to stud. If it is a weird sex slave thing, that also sounds quite horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the grind, yeah, exactly. In Job, it's definitely sexual. Uh, so it's a little weird. All right. So Ezekiel, uh, this is one of my favorites. All right. We have not read Ezekiel yet. Yes. Uh, so this is a tiny spoiler. Um, she doted upon her paramours, whose flesh is the flesh of asses, and whose issue is the issue of horses. <laughs> um, I, mean, I can guess that one. So I assume he has... A dick as big as a donkey's, and he produces much ejaculatory fluid. <laughs> this is perfectly correct <laughs> for a full 10 points. <laughs> why? Uh, why? <laughs> why, Bible, why? Uh, all right, so now we're going to switch. Um, so sometimes the King James Version is actually more scandalous than, for example, the NIV. So I'll give you the following NIV euphemism, and you give me the King James Version uh, translation. Oh, we're not going to be able to do this at all. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, at Joshua, and Joshua chapter 5, number 3. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gilbeth Haraloth. I remember this, I remember this passage, but... Um... I have no idea what it is in the KJV. Uh, hmm. hmm. I mean, it's going to be like foreskin town or something foreskin like that. Foreskin town? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's... Uh, okay, that's our answer. Foreskin town. Yep. I give you five points for Excellent. foreskin town. <laughs> uh, so I have uh, in the KJV, and Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Whoa, not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, uh, the Hill of the Foreskins is my heavy metal band's name. <laughs> it's a Jewish heavy metal band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're at One Kings. Um, and Wait, you're uh, not going to get upset at him for saying One Kings? I said One Kings and you dove down my throat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've become conditioned by Donald Trump's pronunciations of things. Uh, I don't believe it. He's the new First normal. Kings. Um, uh, the, the young men, uh, who had grown up with him, so him is Rehoboam, um, and we remember that as David's son, uh, so Rehoboam is trying to figure out what to do, uh, with, uh, his subjects, uh, the young men said to him, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but you make our yoke lighter. Now tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Now we definitely talked about this as mm -hmm. a dick measuring contest mm -hmm. in our first Kings episode, but I assume that the KJV does not actually use the word dick. So what, what euphemism, what do you euphemism think? applies there? Yeah. Um, what, let's look back the, my father's flesh. We have, we have secrets. Uh, my father's thigh. Oh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be something along those lines. You take the guess. Um, yeah, we'll say, We'll say thigh. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. So he's, uh, he says, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. Loins. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. I, I have credit on that, I think. Um, trying to score right, your own so quiz here. <laughs> I'm trying to sabotage myself. <laughs> Second Kings. The whole uh, house of Ahab shall perish. I shall cut from 
cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel. Slave or free. So tell me what they use for a euphemism for male. I mean, male is a dirty word. <laughs> in, in some circles of the internet, yes. <laughs> um, this is pretty much impossible if uh, you haven't okay. seen yeah, this. Yeah, well, um, what about like something like a dog, right? Like well, Every last dog? A male prostitute, dog. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I assume he's... I think it was going to be something insulting. Uh, I have no comments. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we're going to say dog. Yeah. That's surprisingly close. Um, oh. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall. And him that is shut up and left in Israel. That was surprisingly close. <laughs> and they use this term six times. Uh, him that pisseth really? against the wall. I uh, was shocked when it was not mentioned uh, in the Second Kings episode, and then I realized uh, it was not. Um, they alas, just used the word male. They they covered that <laughs> up in the NIV. <laughs> All right, so we got one final question. All right. Uh oh, okay. To recap your knowledge, make sure uh, you've learned everything. We're uh, again with uh, David and Goliath, and Goliath says to David. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the field. What's the euphemism? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Can you give that to us one more time, please? Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Uh, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the field. Okay, so there are a couple of those in there. Um, am I a dog? Am I a, am I a prostitute that you come at me with sticks? I shall give your flesh. I'll, I'll give your. I'll, oh, I'll feed your junk to the birds of the sky and <laughs> and the beasts of the field. Um, were there any more? Did you hear? Uh, I don't know. Maybe sticks. <laughs> Um, okay. Dog, male prostitute, uh -huh. flesh, penis. Mm -hmm. Flesh penis. Flesh penis. That's yeah. my metal band. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, ten, 10 points. Um, you've learned so well. Yay. Um, Yay. I think maybe you could imagine there's uh, some sexual innuendo with uh, the phrase come to me. Oh. Uh, but... You never know what uh, they're actually trying to say. This is, a this is a family podcast, Phil. Come on. <laughs> All the other stuff was fine, but now you've crossed the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got, let's see, I will total up the points. Oh, yeah. So out of a possible 120. That's right. 83, which mm. is a very impressive score. I mean, it's not that impressive. It's, it's a D. It's like, yeah, it's like a D. I'll tell you uh, who you're smarter than. All right. I always love to hear about that. <laughs> Nabal, because uh, he is a just like his name. His name means fool, as his wife Abigail <laughs> said of him. <laughs> You're smarter than Jephthah. Uh, yeah, well, who, I knew that. Uh, so. Yeah. Whoever comes out of my doors, out of my house to meet me when I return, uh, shall be the Lord's. Oh, I will offer yeah. it up. Sacrificed his own daughter. Yeah. You know, you didn't uh, pledge to burn your own daughter. Um, you're smarter than Samson, uh, who doesn't even know what a riddle is. <laughs> That's true. It was not a riddle. Yeah, it's, it was not a riddle. 
you're smarter than Solomon, who's, you know, pretty smart, but also um, didn't really remember the, the guy whole... above. Yeah. So you are as smart as Rachel. Ooh. Oh. Uh, because, uh, so you remember when Rachel had taken the, who, J- Rachel, who is Jacob's wife, uh-huh. uh, had taken her father's idols. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh stole them and so Laban uh comes to search for his idols uh but found them not. So uh Laban's like, okay, I gotta search everything and uh Rachel I assume is sort of panicking, but then she remembers the one thing that um biblical men are terrified of. <laughs> so uh she says to her father, let me not displease my lord that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. Ah. Mm. And uh, of course, she knows uh, Laban is terrified of, as all uh, biblical men are, I assume, of the very idea of menstruation. Uh, <laughs> so uh, her brilliance prevents her from uh, getting those idols taken back from her. So good work. Yay. Who's, Yay. who's smarter than us? Who's smarter than you? Zipporah. So you remember when... Um, for the secret, for the emergency circumcision? Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him, Moses, uh, for apparently no reason. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's unexplained. Um, so uh, Zipporah, in her genius, uh, reads God's mind somehow. Yeah, and circumcises her child and she knows that's you know there's one thing that uh, god cares about it's circumcision it is it's his main priority <laughs> exactly it's weird circumcision <laughs> it's, it's weird if you think about it yeah <laughs> it keeps going like the circumcision or yeah i mean keeps, traditionally um, it stops uh the bible keeps caring about it oh yeah, yeah, yeah i've yeah. learned it's very strange <laughs> not if you do it right it doesn't keep <laughs> yeah, going they just keep cutting <laughs> yeah Got to get a new moil. So congratulations. You're uh, basically Bible experts is uh, what I've come Excellent. to Excellent. And I've only read half of it, so. I'm so excited to use this information to win internet fights. <laughs> <laughs> win internet fights and new friends. And okay. new friends, of course, yes. Yeah. I know there's, like, the best way to make a friend is to uh, start walk up to a stranger and start quoting the Bible. <laughs> yeah, solid. All right, Phil, well, thank you so much uh, for writing these. It was an absolute delight having you on. And uh, I'll see you on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. Uh, take care. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Phil. That was fun. It was. Thank you again, Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. But we have other important business to discuss. Okay, fine. <laughs> Because we did read, we did read a book of a Bible this week. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. I dwove. <laughs> so uh, we read Psalms, obviously, um, because we stated that at the top of the episode. But you might have gotten distracted by that fun quizzo. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about Psalms, L- Lauren. Yeah. Yes. I can see in your bright, beautiful eyes that you have something you want to say. I do, <laughs> um, and that is that. We're talking about the Book of Psalms. <laughs> That's what I just said. A.K.A. Uh, the Psalter. What? 
a.k.a. the Psalter, P-S-A-L-T-E-R. That's what you usually call it when it's just uh, by itself without the rest of the Bible around it. No pepper. And no pepper. <laughs> just a Psalter, please. Uh, the Hebrew name is Tehilim, which is praises. Okay. Um, and psalm is like a Greek word for um, like playing a harp or like a song set to harp music. Okay. Um, that I guess just was kind of generally applied. So the whole book, if you're not familiar, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm familiar. Yeah, you just read it. Any listeners who may not be familiar, it's it's a bunch of like prayer poem things, mm-hmm. and um, they have been being collected and edited for hundreds of years. Did you flash translate that out of some other language in your head? <laughs> yeah, it was um, fucking dumbass, which is what I speak <laughs> in my head. But um, so some of them are like really old. Some of them seem to be from before the Babylonian exile. Mm. Um, some are definitely from after. And the canon of Psalms has changed a lot over hundreds of years. I mean, mm. obviously it's been... In place for a while it's been now. been on lock for a little while. Yeah. yeah. The intro to Psalms in my Bible lets me know that there are several genres of psalm. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty clearly defined. There's a hymn, which is like a call to worship. There's a an individual petition, which is like a, like a person asking God for something. There's a communal petition, which is the same except a bunch of people, not just one dude. Mm. Communal. And there's individual thanksgiving, where it's like, yeah, thanks bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's thanks, me. Thanks, God. Your friend. God, bro. Um, a lot of them are traditionally attributed to David, um, but like... That can't possibly be true. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then other ones are attributed to uh, Asaph and the sons of Korah. That's like <laughs> at the beginning of some of these psalms. I don't know who those people are. Um, Korah is from The Last Airbender, right? Mm-hmm. Some are uh, some are set to the tunes of songs, like it'll say at the beginning mm. um, that this is set to the tune of uh, of lilies of the covenant. Sure, or, or you'd be, or say rhythm changes. Doe of the morning, or my favorite, do not destroy. <laughs> do not destroy. That's a good name. There for were an album. several several psalms that were are supposed to be sung to the tune of something called "Do Not Destroy," <laughs> which seems like it it probably got destroyed at some point because I don't think we know what it is. <laughs> Sounds like a song by Metric or something, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and then my Bible also has a lot of notes about, like, how ancient Hebrew poetry works. Like, it's oh, not... sounds exciting. I know. It's not based on, like, rhyme and meter. Okay. It's based on, like, structural conventions. It's based on the feel of it, man. So, <laughs> so, like, if you use an image in the first line, then you have to use, like, a certain other image in the last line or something like that. Okay. Um, so... My Bible has like hundreds and hundreds of words in the footnotes that are like, well, you see, this one has framing clauses. And it's like, basically what I'm trying to say is there's a lot that's lost in translation. Like, mm. it really does not convey any poetry to have like a 500 note, 500 word footnote about <laughs> framing clauses. It really doesn't. All right. I then think. let's take a break. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to dive in. We'll get into the meat of these psalms. I expect it to taste like mutton. (laughs) I'm a vegetarian. Bye-bye. Bye.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we are talking about the book of Psalms. Psalms. So this is like not a standard Bible book because there's no story. So, you know, usually we like do, here's, I'm going to go a little inside baseball with y'all. Okay. Usually we go the first half of the story. Then we take a break. Then we do second half Oh of my the God, story. stop revealing these secrets. <laughs> these are protected trade secrets. But there's no story to split in twain today. So instead, we're just going to talk about Psalms. Um, overall, what were your thoughts on this book here? How, how did it how did it strike you, my dear? Um, well, this is the book I'm most familiar with of the ones that we've read so far. Oh, interesting. So I wasn't surprised by any of the content per se. Okay, it'd be kind of hard to be surprised. But, but I was actually really surprised by reading it in the context mm. of everything that came before it. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it feels like we just flipped a switch and we just went from Judaism to Christianity. Hmm. Hmm. So partially I'm basing this on my own experience because like just this is language that Christians use to pray. Um, there's lots of hymns and other types of worship songs mm -hmm. that are made from these psalms and I could sing several of them. Um, but I'll spare everybody. <laughs> and psalms is like a common book that Christians will refer to for like – I don't know, guidance mm -hmm. type of stuff. I used to like read it a lot when I was an angsty teenager mm -hmm. and uh, was hoping to find solace. Mm. It, uh, How'd that work? It didn't work. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah. Turns out my problems as a teenager uh, were pretty different from King David's problems. <laughs> um, but also, partially, there's, I mean, partially it's my own experience, but there's also a big shift in the way the text is talking about God. Like, like it was all of a sudden something that I recognized like when we were talking about Job last week mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is wrong. Like this feels blasphemous. This isn't what I'm used to talking about when I talk about the Bible or mm -hmm. God. Um, but then Psalms, I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> like I'm comfortable. Like this is what the Bible should be. We've got like de-emphasizing sacrifices. Mm -hmm. um, it says like you should still make sacrifices to God, but he doesn't need them. Yeah, there's not a lot of talk about, like, burning things on altars or anything I, like I mean, that. it specifically says, like, God doesn't need that. Mm. You should just do it. Talking about God as a father instead of as, like, a king or a judge. Mm. Um, talking about an afterlife. Does it really talk about an afterlife, though? I mean, it mentions both shoal and the pit. Well, it also talks about, um, you know, God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Hmm. Oh, there's another one in there that I didn't write down. No, I, that does ring a bell when you say that. I vaguely remember it saying something about like, it, even even in death, you know, my life will mean something because yeah. I gave my life to God. I will go through the gates of righteousness. Yeah. Um. So it's, I mean, it doesn't explicitly say heaven or hell, right. but it's definitely the language that Christians now use to describe heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm projecting that onto it, like that's... It's fertile ground for you to plant your projection in, yeah. if I may mix several metaphors. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, uh -huh. we have a bunch of talk about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now that has not really been a thing up until now. Like God has punished sin. There hasn't been a big emphasis on forgiveness. True. There have been several, I guess, like key moments of forgiveness mm -hmm. when people have like done penance and been forgiven, but they haven't escaped all punishment usually. And it hasn't been like the focus of the story. Right. So then like compare that to like Psalm 51, uh, I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I was talking about not being 
in Job. Mm -hmm. And this is like where I belong. Like, I'm sinful, I'm unclean, I'm worthless, and I need to spend all my free time asking God to cleanse me. Got it. Understood. That's how I was raised. That's where all your free time goes. Yeah. So, um, and we even have the line, the meek will inherit the earth. That's true. Which I did not realize Jesus was quoting. I thought that was original. So, yeah, like, all of a sudden, I am completely in my comfort zone, and I understand everything, and Mm. feel just, like, totally on board. Interesting. I was also struck by its juxtaposition with Job, specifically for the fact that many of the Psalms in here that entreat God to directly do something, and many of them do. It seems like many of them ask God to, like, beat up on their adversaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the people that are torturing them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they just as well ask God to save them or to redeem them Mm -hmm. or to bring them all the treasures that they were promised or whatever. Forgive them. Forgive them. And I'm like... Did you guys not just read Job? Like, that's not God's game. He came down to earth to tell Job specifically that this was not what he was involved in. He's like, I'm here. Your righteousness reflects well on me, but justice doesn't concern me. And I'm like, did nobody tell these people? Like, you're just shouting into an an uncaring void that created you, and that was the last moment that they cared about you. So, I mean, obviously, those are two different ways to look at yeah. look at the, the theology of this, but they're back to back, which yeah. I thought was insane. And so I think that addresses like our theological ideas about some of the poetry. But uh, from a, from like a literary, literary point of view, what did you have any specific like takeaways from this huge block of uh, block of stuff? I mean, like I said, a lot of the Language seems to be lost in translation, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to judge it as um, poetry or, like, literature, you know, in the way that it was meant to be sure. perceived. Um, I mean, I do have, you know, my my favorites and least favorites. Okay, we'll definitely do those. But before we get to those, I just wanted to say that when you take a bunch of these, like, lamentations in a row, mm-hmm. it really paints this strange picture of, like, paranoid deeply scared, uh-huh. alone individuals. Uh-huh. Because like it stacks up all of these lamentations in a row that are like, it's like, you know, a prayer for the friendless or like a, a prayer for one who's deeply injured or like a prayer for the lonely and sick. And it's like all of these people crying out for some sort of recognition all in a row. Yeah, It's very strange, especially because a lot of these poems reuse these same little blocks of language or blocks of imagery, Mm -hmm. which makes it really confusing to like read 150 of them in a row, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was a stupid idea. It's also, yeah, it's also not meant to be read like 150 in a row. You're supposed to like perform one at a service. Sure. And then next week you perform a different one. But it turns into this weird, like procedurally generated prayer thing, you know, where you like plug in a certain set of images or or phrases and then you get out the formula for a prayer. So that's like how... Christians pray. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Protestants, at least, prayer is usually spontaneous. Like, we don't say, like, well, we say the Lord's Prayer, but we don't say, like, Hail Mary or anything like that. You're you're making it up on the spot, but you can you're draw this, on all these blocks of language. Yeah. It's just weird to see it all, like, laid bare on the page where you see, like, here's a bunch of combinations. And then when you're reading them all through, some stick out because you're like, oh, hey, that's got a new image in it. Or, like, that's not the same structure as all of these other ones yeah. down to the exact <laughs> exact right. images, right. you know. Um yeah, I have a few <laughs> I have a few things that stuck out to me. Okay. Um uh, I really liked uh Psalm 12, the wicked freely strut about. <laughs> oh, do they? I liked because of your wrath there is no health in my body. 
My wounds fester and are loathsome. My back is full of searing pain. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. I love all of the lamentation stuff because it's all about they get really caught up on these on these few phrases like they have enemies in every corner. Mm -hmm. The enemies mouths are spitting words at them. Mm -hmm. That's all they say is that the mouths words are coming out of mouths, you know, and then like everything is ashes. My food is ashes. My drink is ashes. Um, All the lamentations are great. Because they all, it's like, and the, and the structure is exactly the same every time. They spend the first two thirds digging themselves into a hole of despair. And the last <laughs> third, God scoops them out. It's, but I have the light of God to bring me up. But so every single time on the on a dime. It's, totally. like a, it's like a Beatles song where it changes at the two thirds mark every single time. That's like every sermon too. Like oh, yeah. That's, that's just, that's like the rhythm of Christianity. Um, another one I liked was Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Uh-huh. Upon Edom, I toss my sandal. Because I feel like he was like running out of ideas. <laughs> and he like started looking around the room. You know, he's like, Judah is my scepter and Moab <laughs> is my wash, wash basin. <laughs> also, shouldn't he be careful about tossing his sandals around? Otherwise, someone might point at him and call him his family the unsandled. It's true. Which, yeah, she's not so good. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. Also, Psalm 137, uh, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, title of the anthology that I'm co-editing with our uh, former guest, Chris Stroop. Oh, that, is that true? Mm-hmm. Just by the rivers of Babylon. That's a, uh, there's a famous reggae setting of that psalm as well. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's been recorded that. by a bunch of people. It's great. I mean, it's yeah, it's a famous Bible verse, obviously. But I wanted to I wanted to bust this one out when Phil was on the line feeding us questions, but I didn't get a chance to because uh-huh. during one of the lamentations when he's describing the actions of his enemies, he say, "Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me about things I do not know." <laughs> you calling Phil a malicious witness? <laughs> I maybe calling Phil a malicious witness. <laughs> he's gonna have to write another quiz bowl packet. <laughs> oh no. That was fun, though. I wouldn't mind. I know. I if would like, do takes, that every episode. <laughs> if all it takes to get a, a quality packet is slam and fill, then I'll do it every time. <laughs> Poor Phil. Consider yourself on blast, Phil. I love you. <laughs> um, this passage stood out to me, and it's something I might have told you before. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. You do tell me to remember my relaxamophone lessons, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, also, I never do. <laughs> I also think that that's something you should hang up in the like guitar store. Just be like, don't. Oh, like, snap. No stairway. Right next to no stairway. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a psalm where God was sleepy. I don't know if you got that one. Uh, I'm not sure I remember that one. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O oh Lord? <laughs> That's pretty passive-aggressive. However, I would like to give the award for most passive-aggressive psalm to uh, Psalm 74, which says, Why have you rejected us forever, O God? (laughs) It's like, wow, way to fish for a compliment. Yeah, I know. Okay, so if we're doing superlatives, we'd do fucking superlatives. Okay. Um, I found the braggiest psalm. Okay. And it's number 26. Okay. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in faithfulness with you. Nice. I do not sit with the worthless, nor do I consult with hypocrites. I hate the company of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Yeah, I get it, okay? You're holy and righteous. I have um, (sighs) uh, a super petty psalm to go with that. (laughs) Okay. 
um, which is Psalm 10. Oh, I wrote down Psalm 10, too. Uh, it's talking about the wicked man, and it says, uh, The wicked man is haughty, and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, Nothing will ever shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. So basically, like, translation, God, I have this fucking coworker. <laughs> Such a bitch. Walks around like he owns the place. <laughs> I noted that that psalm spends much more time describing the success of the wicked than it does ha- on anything to do That's with God. That's true, yeah. <laughs> what do you think the horniest psalm is? Oh, I, I got one. It's 45, right? That's the exact same one I have. Yes. I wrote down 45, horniest psalm. Uh, would you care to read a passage from it? Oh, I'd love to. So it's supposedly a psalm on congratulations for a royal wedding. Is what the, like, heading is. Uh-huh. But, like, if you're given these kinds of congratulations, like, you're going to creep your fucking friends out. You're going to get executed at the royal wedding. Probably. My heart over... This is how it starts. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your glory and majesty. We know what all those things mean now after our euphemism quiz. That's a good point. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal scepter is a scepter of equity. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. And then, all glorious is the princess within her chamber. Mm-hmm. Her gown is interwoven with gold. It's like, okay, we're talking about God here. Try not to get distracted by the pretty lady. <laughs> Just focus, man. In the place of ancestors, you, O king, shall have sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. Yeah, well, that's how that works. However, a valiant runner-up is Psalm 133, which I would describe as the kinkiest psalm, which says, um, It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. I, uh... Noted that one to be the least religious psalm. <laughs> nice. It has very little religion in it. It's mostly just poetry. But it's got a lot of oil. <laughs> oil is an important part of religion, but not the main part. Um, I like Psalm 62 because it sounds like it was written while the person was stoned. <laughs> okay, explain. Uh, uh, okay, I have to read it in the right way. <clears throat> Lowborn men are like but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they're nothing. Together, they're only a breath. <laughs> like, if you think about it, like, really crazy, man. That's good. I like that. Oh, I had one that was the most violent, paranoid, and strange. Oh, that's, that's a great superlative. <laughs> kind of cheating because it's like three in one. Did you ever have three in one instant coffee? Instant coffee that's got the uh, creamer and sugar built right in, so it all comes in, in like a little tube. I don't, I don't believe I have. No, I drank, but it sounds like the wave of the future. It's it's kind of the wave of giving up. Like, <laughs> that sounds like the future to me. That's in my future. Uh, Psalm thirty-five: Contend, O Lord, with those who contend against me, and fight those who fight against me. It goes into detail about how the evil should be fought. Uh, let them be turned back and confounded who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Ooh. 
Then my soul shall rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his deliverance. <laughs> All my bones shall say, O oh Lord, who is like you? You deliver the weak. Yay. <laughs> uh, for most relatable, I nominate Psalm 31. I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Mm. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I put that as an example of the high paranoia of some of mm. these psalms. I found that hashtag relatable. <laughs> I also, I don't have like a superlative for this one, but uh, Psalm 91, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Mm -hmm. The libertarians are not going to be happy about this. They really don't like it when people tread on snakes. (laughs) That's what I'm told. They aren't going to be happy about it when someone tells them about the Psalms. Just when they just don't like it when people tread on snakes. (laughs) That's like one of their main things. They put it on their flag. I mean, this snake is long dead, honey. So did you have a least favorite of these psalms? Um, well, sort of. D- did you? Yes. Okay. Mine is very simple to explain. Okay. Um, it's the longest psalm. Uh, it's 119. Oh, my God. That's literally the one I put as my favorite. Really? Yes. Uh-oh. I didn't read it all the way through. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm moving on. And there's no way you're going to convince me to read all the way through this. <laughs> um, well, my, my... I, done, I done fucked up. My least favorite is uh, <laughs> Psalm 139, and it's not because of the actual content of the psalm. It's because of the political use mm. that that Christians use it for. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I see. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And so that's, that's what anti-abortion people use to prove, quote unquote, that the Bible um, says that life begins at conception, Ugh, even though that's, that's not awful. And that's that, just, like that's just poetry. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, and that that meaning wasn't even laid on it until like 1980. <laughs> you know, like that's mm-hmm. that wasn't something that people took out of it for hundreds and hundreds of years. But now all of a sudden, it's proof that that God says abortion is bad. What but, was your so why was no why was that one your favorite? The one I picked. Um. So my favorite is Psalm 119. To introduce it to the listeners, it's like the longest psalm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like an acrostic alphabet what? psalm. I didn't know that. Oh, really? So in the first like couple stanzas, every line begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay. Then in the next one, every line begins with the Hebrew letter Bit, and then so on, Gimel, Dalit, whatever, till the end of the alphabet. And... um. My Bible's notes say that this psalm is the most likely to have been composed in writing and intended to be read hmm. rather than sung or recited. Ah, oh, I see. So most of them are, you know, like it explicitly says in a lot of them, like for stringed instruments right. or like for wind instruments or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but this one was like 133 conceived. BPM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they tell you, know, like, which ones are bangers, which ones are slow songs. <laughs> they're all, uh, spoiler alert, they're all bangers. They're all bangers. Um, <laughs> But this one is, like, meant to be, like, written poetry that you read. Hmm. So that's why it was my favorite. I mean, not that I had anything really special. I mean, I think actually my favorite imagery was from Psalm 29. Uh, The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, Hmm. shakes the desert, twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. I just really liked the literary value of Psalm 119. That's totally valid. And you know what? I mean, it really exposes something. You went deep and you knew something about that. And I lazed out. (laughs) I used my my powerful laser and I lazed myself right out of that. 
Um, but speaking of imagery, that mm-hmm. was really why I picked my favorite, which is Psalm 114. It goes a little something like, like this. this. It starts, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why is it, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring. Ooh, that was good. That's pretty good, right? I think you may have a a future in... Psalmistry? In psalmistry. (laughs) Yeah, I I really love the the ones where, like, God is... uh, Making nature do like uh, it, things that an animal or a person would do. I like the abstraction, like of the the actions of of God being, yeah, the earth, you know, dancing or the earth prancing like an animal or yeah. whatever. That's that's quality imagery. Totally. So I don't think there's uh, anything else to it, but I mean, there's like a lot else to it. No, but... I, I looked. Not very carefully, okay. and I don't think there's anything else to it. All right, you're it. right. We covered everything about the book of Psalms. So I think it's time to rate this book. Oh, we didn't mention Psalm 23. What's that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay. Are you even familiar with that? Uh, I mean, I, I, I get the general idea. He leads me to... Like, you can't lead a water to horse, but you can make him drink. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So okay. let's just rate that. <laughs> let's just rate this book. All right, how would you rate this book? I would give this book 100... And 30 out of 150 psalms. Wow. Okay. I feel like your ratings are like subject to inflation. Like they keep getting <laughs> like really, really big. Well, this one has a reason. There are 150 psalms in the book. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. I just didn't catch that. <laughs> the other ones were nonsense. You're uh, right. All right. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that check. Sometimes all you need to know is that, you know, there's a trend going on and you don't realize. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Okay. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. So the reason why I would give it that rating is, for the most part, this feels like a very genuine and very, in in its small ways, very beautiful and, and very heartfelt like expression of the emotions that you feel in when you got religion or whatever. Yeah, the emotions that you feel when you got religion. <laughs> is, that, is that not fair? It's extremely fair. Okay. So in once that... Once you've caught the disease of religion. Mm-hmm, once you've got it deep down in your bones... <laughs> When you're feeling it in your stones. Here's the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Lamentation, of course. But um, I think that it runs the, the gamut of, of, uh, of, um, of emotion and of, you know, religious poetry. Some of it's quite good. Certainly reading it the way I read it in big chunks is stupid and like doesn't seem to be the most effective way to do it. So I'm giving mm-hmm. it plenty of benefit of doubt in that sense. Like my personal reading experience was not super great just because I was slogging through like a whole bunch of of poems that reused a bunch of the same imagery all over their, all over their selves, which I think is how you say that. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I'm marking it off a little because some of it is like, yeah, okay. Do you really, how holy is that poem where it's just like, oh God, you're the best. Oh God, you're the best. Everybody say, oh God, you're the best over and over again. It's like, okay, anybody could come up with that. <laughs> Not anybody could come up with that. Only King David could, <laughs> who Except literally wrote. Right, yeah. Like half of these psalms, I'm gonna give it like eight out of eleven Moabite wash basins. Okay, okay. Um, 
because it does have like some great poetic imagery. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of the poetry is lost in translation. And obviously, uh, it loses something when you read it straight through. Um, But I also like I spent the whole time like singing songs. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I lift my eyes up, up to the mountain. As the deer panted for the water. And so it was like, it was, it was fun for me. I got to. You have a lovely voice. (laughs) I, um, so I got to experience it, I guess, a little bit as like music Mm -hmm. from different services, the way it's supposed to be experienced. Of course, I'm not super into the whole mindset that I find familiar here of like just being, uh, infected with sin. (laughs) paranoid alone yeah yeah which is like uh how i felt for my you know childhood and adolescence so i can't like really give it full marks for that (laughs) (laughs) that's fair it sounds like we both had some pretty strong reservations but gave it pretty high marks anyway yeah because it's just it's just good it's good poetry and it's very it's so varied i feel like you could find what you wanted Mm -hmm. in there regardless i agree uh so thank you david Thank you, Asaf. Thank you, Sons of Korah. Shout and out. I think there was a couple in here from Solomon. We super appreciate all your uh, stringed instruments. Yeah, I keep playing that 10-string lyre. Yep. Loving it. But that'll do it for today's show. That will. Before we go, we have a couple things to remind you of. First, you can follow us on Twitter, at SunSchoolDrop. You can also find us on Facebook, by looking for Sunday School Dropouts, the name of the show that you just listened to. <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> um, you can find us online at sundayschooldropouts.lol. And if you have any questions or comments or, I don't know, quiz bowl packets, I guess you can send them to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. We, of course, always thank Elise Carlton for our logo and uh, Nico for all his editing and sound engineering and uh, music and uh all the talent on this podcast oh honey that's very sweet but thank you (laughs) and uh if you want to super super help us out do us a real solid bruh fucking rate us on itunes rate review phil mentioned it on the on the podcast he rated and reviewed us on on the itunes store and it's an extremely helpful thing to do you give us you know like five out of five mobite wash basins or whatever if you wanted to that's an example of a thing you could do Besides that, I think that's that's everything. That's everything. We did it all. Hurrah. That's it. I'm so proud of us. Okay. And I'm proud of you, the listeners, for sticking with us this long. You know what? I, I want to take the time also to tell you listeners that I'm very proud of you. I just feel like, you know, people in your life maybe aren't appreciating you as much as they should. We do. We appreciate you. We honestly do. I think you're doing great. And I think you are getting through every day and, and doing your absolute best. And we're really proud of you for that. And you deserve a hug and a pat on the back. I agree. And we would give one of each to you if you were here. And we will if we ever see you in person. Absolutely. Um, So for now, you'll just have to take this auditory hug and pat on the back. And it's coming in three, two, one. Okay. This has been Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.